Hey, hey. So if you guys have mouthy teens or teens who talk back or teens who like to say things that are not very nice, not very nice words, this podcast is for you. So as I'm admitting a bunch of people into my new Facebook group, which is called Helping Your Anxious Teen. You can look that up and join. <clears throat> As I'm um, admitting people, they have to answer some questions just so I can get a feel for what you guys are dealing with, what you want help with. And one person said today, what was it? Let me see here. They said that they want help in learning how to cope with their child's big emotions, like with being so emotional. And so to, that's kind of what brought me to what I want to talk about today is when your kids are being so emotional, right, and they are saying rude things or they are just talking back or they are yelling or they are screaming or they are <clears> – oftentimes we like to think that we're being verbally abused, right? Whether we are or whether we're not, that's not what we're here to discuss. But when that is happening inside of your home – it takes a big toll on you as the parent. So I know that a lot of us are thinking when our kids start talking back to us. <clears throat> Sorry, I have something in my throat. Like, where did we go wrong? Did we teach this to our kids? Or maybe you do already know that you did teach that to your kids. Maybe you do those same things. And so you're putting a lot of judgment on yourself, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame um, on yourself for showing that as a model behavior for your kids. Or maybe you're like, I don't do that. What is, what's the problem? Where did they get this? Where did I go wrong? And what I first want to say here is that is not helpful to your kids, right? When you're thinking and you're, when you're thinking, where did I go wrong? What have I done wrong? And you're trying to investigate where in your life you've been a screw up and you've been like the worst mom possible. How does that make you feel? That doesn't make you feel like a good mom. That doesn't help you to become a better mom. And so those types of questions, when when your brain goes there, just notice how that is not a useful question to ask. That is not a useful question to be having or a useful thought to be having roaming around in your brain. So what is useful? Um, and I'm going to tell a story here real quick just to illustrate this whole idea of how to cope and how to handle your kids when they are talking back, when they are being so emotional. So I want you to think about, and this is a really funny story, so, but it does a really good job at illustrating my point. So I want you to think about the last time that you went to the zoo. And for me, I remember the last time I went to the zoo and the best part about it was the chimpanzees. So we sat and watched the chimpanzees for a really long time because they were super interesting um, and they were doing a lot of fun stuff and a lot of different things and interacting, right? And so they were really interesting to observe. So what I want you to do is think about your child as an animal at the zoo. You can use my chimpanzees. When I'm looking at the chimpanzees and they're throwing things around or they're getting up and um, banging on the window or they're picking on each other or they're having loud noises come out of their mouth, I don't have any thoughts about their behavior, right? I'm just like, oh, interesting. Oh, I'm curious what they're trying to do. Oh, look at that. I'm not thinking, well, that little one over there is a punk. That guy's a jerk. Why is he being so rude to his mom? 
what's the matter with him? Why didn't his mom teach him right? <laughs> right? I'm not thinking these, these chimpanzees all have something wrong with them. I'm just observing their behavior. And so when you're looking at your kids, when you can observe their behavior and look at it more in a factual way, oh, she is yelling at me right now. Oh, he just said some swear words at me. Oh, this person is screaming their head off, right? Then, And you're not internalizing it and making it mean I'm such a bad mom. Something has gone wrong. Where did I go wrong? I'm setting a horrible example. Something is wrong with my kid. Where did they learn that? They have horrible friends. I didn't teach them that, right? We're, we're like either digging in or we're, or we're trying to f- be an investigator, <laughs> trying to be, what's the word? I'm going to say an investigator. We're trying to investigate the situation to figure out what happened here. Why is this actually happening? And what I want to say here is that is, we just said that, right? That is not useful to you. It's not useful information because it doesn't help you figure out what to do with it once you figure out where it came from. So let's try to, let's stop trying to figure out where it's all coming from. Who's to blame? Who's done what, who's done wrong here? We're going to stop doing that. And what we are going to do is how do we want to think about this situation? These are the facts. My kid is standing two inches away from my face yelling in my face and calling me swear words. Do you see how that's so different than how dare she disrespect me? She's not playing with her friends. Her friends are horrible examples to her. I'm not putting up with this disrespect. She's in big fat trouble. And then going into your room later and being like, oh yeah, I'm sure she got that from me. Where did I go wrong? And do you see how you're your brain is going off on like this whole tangent of making her what she's doing in front of your face making it mean so much. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but this is specific to when your child is um talking back to you or yelling at you or saying horrible mean things. So my example today was my daughter was not a happy daughter this morning on her way to school and she was picking fights with everyone in the car. And she got out of the car and just stormed out of the car. And I did not make it mean anything, right? I looked at her and I was looking at it neutrally, kind of factually. Okay, she's choosing to show up this way today. That's her choice. She gets to choose that. And I got to respond in the way that I wanted to respond because I wasn't so emotionally charged by trying to make it mean so much. And I said, have a good day. Love you. See you after school. Not in a mean way, just in a neutral way. Just in, okay, I noticed you're leaving the car. I love you. I noticed you're going into school. Awesome. Have a good time, right? So that is the way that I wanted, and you may want to respond differently, but that's the way that I wanted to respond in that moment. And what let me respond the way that I wanted to respond in that moment was not making her behavior mean something that it might not have meant or mean something about me or mean something about her. I was able to kind of take away that emotionally charged energy from the situation and I was able to handle it the way that I wanted to handle it. Okay, so you're, you might be thinking, all right, well, that's that's good and great, but I don't want my kids talking to me like that. Like, I still don't. There's got to be some sort of something, right? And this is where I say, of course, you get to put in your boundaries. So at that moment, I I wasn't going to be like, you're grounded for the rest of the day or you're going to have chores after school. 
in that moment, I decided, okay, I'm going to let her be. She's going to school. I want her to have a good day at school. We will talk about things after school if things are the same way. Like we will figure that out. Um, and then I will place my boundaries. So if she continues to act a certain way or if she's crossing the boundaries that I've set in place, um, some of the things are like hitting brothers and sisters, name calling, things like that. When that happens, my kids know that there is a consequence, that there is something that follows when they choose to make those choices, which they will choose from time to time, right? So, and and what's so great about that boundary is, and I'm going to do another podcast specifically all on boundaries later, but what's so great about placing that boundary is I don't have to be super surprised that she's hitting or that she's name calling, right? I know that that's probably going to happen because right now she that's how she manages her emotions at certain times. Not all the time, but sometimes because she's human, because she's a kid with an underdeveloped brain. So she is going to choose that sometimes. And I can be prepared for that. I can also have something in place that I choose if you hit your brother or if you name call. Right now we're doing, if you call somebody a name, you get to do an extra chore. You get to, right? That's something you get to do. And when that happens, I don't have to be like, okay, well, look, great. Look, you ruined everybody's day. Now go get your butt up and do the chores. I could be like, oh, I'm so sorry you made that choice to call your brother that name. This is the chore that you get to do since you chose to call your brother that name. So that's a little bit about boundaries. And of course, we get to have boundaries with our kids, right? So I'm not saying that your kids get to say whatever you want and you look at them like a chimpanzee and then you just walk away. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you get to look at them like they are an animal in a zoo, like we're just observing somebody's behavior. We're getting curious about their behavior. We're not judging their behavior. We're not judging ourselves because of their behavior. Um, And we get to respond the way that we want to because we've decided not to judge it, because we've decided not to blame anybody, because we've decided to take control of the situation and manage our emotions around it. So that is my little chimpanzee story. Take it and use it. Um, And oftentimes, like what I love about the chimpanzee story is sometimes that's exactly what my kids look like, right? All together is just a bunch of monkeys like doing random stuff that doesn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden there's a huge blow up and people are like hurt and crying and sad, right? So that's why I love the chimpanzee story. Um, Let me look at my notes here. So here is what is happening, okay? Your child is having an emotional response inside of their body from something that's happening in their life. And your job is not to always figure out what that is. We like to be little detectives. We like to be little investigators. Your job is to not always figure that out because number one, they might not even know. So if they don't even know, then how are we supposed to know? And number two, they might not want you to know, right? So we can allow them to have their privacy. And number three, it gets really annoying when people always ask you like that question. So we get, we can ask that in the right setting if we want to, but you can know that you don't have to know what is happening to cause that emotional response inside their body because the most useful thing to you is that they are having an emotional response inside of their body, whether they're angry or mad or irritated or annoyed, or maybe they're like embarrassed, right? 
what I like to say about anger here real quick is that we call it the mask to other emotions. So maybe they were embarrassed at school. So then they come home and they're angry at you. So underneath anger, a lot of the times is another emotion that they have been feeling that they have faced throughout that day or in their life. And it shows up in the way that they know how, which is anger. Okay. So they're having that this emotional response and they don't like it. It's a yucky feeling. It's not very fun to feel embarrassed. Let's just use that one for example, okay? It's not very fun to feel angry either. And so what they're trying to do is get rid of that emotion as fast as possible. We know this, right? We know that people want to have want to feel good. This is why we go to our phones a lot of the time to feel that dopamine hit, to have that pleasure response. <clears throat> so, especially kids who don't have a fully developed brain yet, this is what they're going to do. They're going to try to get rid of that emotional response inside their body, the way that they're feeling physically inside their body. They're trying to get rid of it as fast as possible. And one of the ways, <clears throat> excuse me, that they can get rid of it is by talking back, is by yelling, is by screaming, is by saying mean things, is by swearing. Have you ever heard that swearing is like um, a coping mechanism <laughs> that it helps you to feel better. So these are the things that they're that your child is doing to, that they know how to feel better because what happens is they do feel better for a short period of time. It helps them to feel better. Have you ever like screamed in your pillow? It feels better sometimes, right? It's just like this emotional buildup. I think of it like a balloon, right? emotional, 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 the balloon is getting bigger, 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 and we can only handle so much. So then what happens the next time we have an emotional response is we explode, right? So that's what's happening with your kids is they just have to let it out somehow, some way. And they haven't learned yet or they haven't practiced enough yet how to process that emotion and how to manage their emotions so that they don't have those huge buildups of explosive behavior like screaming and yelling, talking back, um, being mouthy, using sarcasm, using swearing, things like that. All right. So the best part about this, you guys, when we look at our kids like chimpanzees, <laughs> we're going to go back to that, is that we don't have to have an emotional response. And I want you to think about how that would affect your day with your kids, your day even by yourself in your home, your day in the way that you interact and connect with the people around you, including your family, if you're not so emotionally charged by every single thing that your kid says to you, by every single word that comes out of their mouth, by the way that they talk to you, by the volume that they choose to use when they talk to you, right? That's what this whole entire episode is about, is making it so that, that you don't have to have that emotional response. You get to look at it in more of a curious um, a curious way, an observing way. And sometimes we will choose to be angry. Like, I'm not always going to be, have a great day. Sometimes I'll be like, no, 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 when she leaves, <laughs> right? But when I think about it, when I'm choosing to be intentional, I can control that and I can decide and choose to look at it in a different way other than putting so much judgment and blame and emotion behind the way that my child is choosing to behave that day. 
All right, you guys. Um, if you are interested in learning how to do this, this is something that takes practice. It's not something that, of course, we're going to listen to this episode and be able to go out and practice perfectly. And maybe you're going to be able to do it for a day, but we're also going to like just like anything else in our life, I always liken it to soccer practice. You're not going to put your kid, if you want them to play college soccer, you're not going to put them in soccer once. You're not, you know, you're not going to have them have one coach at the age of seven and then be like, great, let's just stick with this seven-year-old coach. Let's just go to practice once. Let's have one season. No, right? We're going to practice over and over and over again. And sometimes, that means we might miss the goal, right? Or sometimes that means we're not going to play our best game, but we can always continue to practice and get better. And the more we get practice, the more we practice, we will get better. And we won't have, and what I want to say here is the more you practice, you will see less and less where you are having that emotional response that you don't like having that makes things worse like the result that you want to have in your home, it takes you further away from that result. The more you practice, the closer you will get to having the result that you want in your home, which is probably not having that emotional response and teaching your kids how to manage their emotions when it comes up. So with that being said, if you are interested in doing this with me one-on-one, then reach out. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Britt Bischoff. You can find me on Instagram at Britt Bischoff Coaching. Um, and I can put that also in the show notes. If you are interested in having your child learn how to manage their emotions, then I also have group coaching for that or I also have one-on-one coaching for that. I'm going to put this in every single time. If you are thinking, oh, I would love my kid to get in that. I would love for her to learn how to manage her emotions. Great. Let's just stick her in there, right? <laughs> I, I'm i going to say this just super bluntly. I feel like that's a cop-out for a lot of parents. It's like, okay, let's go make our kids go and do the work. Here, go. You, go, you go to class. You can take an hour. You go do the work every single week. Come back. Be a better kid. And what I want to say here is, can you imagine – the change in your home if you are both doing the work, if you are both implementing the tools to manage emotions, to have a better connection, to communicate better. It's exponential, right? So I have clients who I teach just the kids. I have clients who are just the parents. And I also have clients where we're coaching the parents and the kids. And I have to tell you, when that is happening, there's a huge opportunity to grow. There is a greater opportunity for you to see things change quicker, for you to see shifts happen faster in your home and with your family. So um, that's a little bit calling parents out a little bit, and I'm okay doing that on here <laughs> because because first, first of all, I grew up in a home where that's kind of something that we did, right? And in the time that I grew up, we kind of just sent, parents just kind of sent their kids to figure things out. And nowadays it's like, okay, well, let's bring everybody together and let's work on it. I know time is limited. I know energy is limited. I know you guys are exhausted and devastated and depressed and frustrated and confused by the things that are happening in your homes with your teens. But I promise you, that's not just going to change if your teen is, is changing. Okay. That gets to help your teen feel better, 
right? And, and you will see behavior changes, but that's also not working on you and helping you to feel better about raising teens in your home. So if you want both, then you get to consider doing both, whether that's through working through with me, whether that's through going to any other type of counseling or therapy or reading books and implementing new things. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Just my advice, if you want to see those big shifts happening, is to get both parties involved, parents and kids. All right, you guys. And, and the reason why is because actions speak louder than words, right? Kids are going to learn so much more from your actions than they will from you trying to teach them through words and through lessons and through lecturing. All right, you guys, such a good lesson. This is this chimpanzee story came to me this morning and I just loved it. Like it's random and totally um, a little bit different, but it's actually a really great way to look at your kids. So we will see you next week. <laughs>